0: So I want to talk to you about some hindrances to growth. Now we know the Bible tells us we're supposed to grow in the Lord, right? We're supposed to grow. God doesn't want us to stay little babies all our life. So look there in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter and chapter 2. The Lord just talked about being born again. Now you hear a lot of people talk about being born again. They ain't born again. Talk about wanting to go to heaven, but they ain't going. So the Bible says you um, are born by the word of God. You see there in 1 Peter chapter 1, look in verse 23. Being born again. That means you've been born once into this world, but that's not good enough. That won't get you to heaven. You have to be born again the second time. Well, how can you be born a second time? Well, that's by faith. That means you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And He gives you eternal life. The first time you were born in this world, you got physical life. The next time, you get eternal life. It lasts forever. So you get to be born of God. Born by the Word of God. See what it says in verse 23? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So let's say, for, pretend that today you trust Christ as your Savior. If you trust Christ as your Savior today, when does God promise to give you eternal life? Today. Right now. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So if you believe it right now, then he gives you right now, immediately, this moment, eternal life. Well, if it's eternal life, now this is a hard question. How long would it last? Forever. Well, if it lasts forever, and it's eternal life, where would you go when you die? So can you know you're going to heaven before you ever die? Yes. Yes. See, a lot of people think you have to wait till you die to find out if you were good enough. Well, you don't have to worry about that because God's already said you're not good enough. You're not. There is none good. No, not one. Now, why is Yankee, why is this wonderful, good-looking preacher up here, why is he going to heaven? Because I've been good. No. I've been bad? Yeah. It has nothing to do with whether I've been good or bad. It's whether or not is God good or bad. So God is good. So what good thing did He do? He saved me. He gave me eternal life. So when I was born of God, I became His child. So now look what He says here in chapter 2. Once you trust the Lord, He says, now as His child, there's some things He doesn't want you to do. And there are some things He wants you to do. He says in verse 1, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking." Well, that's what you learn from your first birth. So God wants you to learn something better for your second birth. See, I was born into this old world 73 years ago, but then I was born into God's family 55 years ago. So I have two births. One is the flesh, one is the spirit. Now my spirit birth Born of God. So it doesn't sin. If it can't sin, it can't die. But my first birth, flesh, is going to die. So when I do anything wrong, it's this one. This one can't sin. So that's why you're going to heaven, because you've been born again. So which one of my births have been born? Twice. This one over here. This has been born of God, so you have eternal life. So then he says in verse 2, look what he says in verse 2 now. As newborn babes. Now, he could be talking to an adult, but if you just trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a newborn babe. You're a babe in Christ, just like a little baby. And then notice what it says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? So that means if you don't desire the sincere milk of the word, you're still a babe, but you may not grow. Are there a lot of babes in the Lord that never mature? They never grow up, but still children of God. See, once you're a child of God, how long are you His child? Forever. And once you're His child, you're His child forever, and He'll never cast you out and never lose you. That is the most important thing to remember. God will never cast you out. Now, look in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. The book of Ephesians, turn to your left, to the book of Ephesians, General Electric Pepsi-Cola. Y'all ever learn that? All right, now you got it down. Ephesians chapter 4, and look what he says there in verse 14. There in verse 14 says, That we henceforth be no more children. See, you are born into God's family, new birth. Now as a child of God, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You grow by the word of God. When you don't study the Word, you're not going to grow spiritually. Because the Word of God is the milk and the meat that you need to sustain you as a Christian and to grow strong. So, that's why it's not always good just to give your opinions and attitudes and philosophy. But what does the Bible say? Learn the Word. Learn what God's Word has to say. So, he says in verse 14, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, Cared about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There's a lot of people who are going to sway you, persuade you, deceive you, and there is error in their doctrine. And it will toss you back and forth like a, a giant windstorm and just toss you around. But God wants you as a child of God to grow strong in the Lord. So he says... By the last statement here in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, get this, may grow up. So you are uh, born, and then you desire the sincere miracle of the word, that you may grow thereby. So God wants you to grow up and be a spiritual, mature man. See up there in verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a, see those two words? A complete man. A mature man. So you're going from birth. As a child. And then to a complete mature man. So that's where God wants to take you. And that's where you want to go. Now having said all of that. And it should be your desire. To desire the sincere milk of the word. It should be your desire. To want to grow strong in the Lord. But there's things that can happen. In your life. Little things that can hinder your growth in the Lord. And sometimes you don't even think it's important. Now, the other night when John John spoke, he talked about how it's not the great big boulders that causes you to lose your footing. It's those loose little pebbles and you cause you to slip in the slide. It's little things that you let go and don't think it's that important. But be disciplined in every area of your life. When the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9 about those who want to run a race, those who want to win, it becomes self-discipline in every area, every area. Because if there's any area in your life that you don't discipline, it could be the one that causes you to fall and never grow strong in the Lord. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Song of Solomon. That's back there in the Old Testament. But the Song of Solomon. And look there in chapter two. Now, we're not covering some of the things that are in the book of Song of Solomon. Now, Solomon was a a pretty wise man. He learned a lot of things. Did a lot of things he shouldn't have done. Had a thousand wives, or nah, seven hundred of them, and a couple hundred of concubines. And um, he kind of messed up his life. And you say, what made him so wise? Well, all those wise women counselors he had. (laughs) No, no, I think they did him in. But um, the man knew a little bit about women, and he knew knew a little bit about love, but also kind of letting you know the little foxes that spoil the vine. You see, when you're young, the Bible says about fleeing youthful lust, Timothy, flee youthful lust, because when you're young, you don't have control like you ought to. And you'd be surprised how that you can take two bodies and put them together, and it can create heat could be bad news, and you blow an emotional fuse. I "I don't know what happened. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. And so you need to be very careful. And so you don't let the little foxes, little desires that you don't have control rob you of the fruits of your life. And that goes into a lot of deeper stuff than that, but just understand that much of it. See that here in verse 15, Take us the foxes, the little foxes, and underline those three little words. Spoil the vine. They spoil the vine because they steal the tender grapes. You see, some things you're not mature enough in yet. And God has some things He wants to teach you and you need to mature in the Lord. And if you'll do what God says do, you'll learn how to handle all the passions that you have in this old body of ours. Now, look in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs Chapter 6. Just go back to your left there. Uh, Solomon uh, was used of the Lord to write quite a few things that were pretty important. But in the book of uh, Proverbs in chapter 6, look what he says in verse 4. Now, there's nothing wrong in getting sleep. God requires us. He's designed our bodies. We need to get the rest that we need. But these scriptures here is not talking about just getting some sleep. It's talking about those who love sleep more than you love work. And so you don't get up and go to work, and you don't plan, and you don't prepare, and you become a sluggard. It means a lazy, good-for-nothing individual. Now, I'm glad there's nobody like that here. So that way nobody would ever think that I'm talking about somebody here, because everybody here loves to work, and go, and do, and you plan and prepare, but notice what it says in verse 4. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter. In other words, if you don't watch what you're doing, the, the deer's going to get shot. The deer better stay awake, stay on guard. And then when he makes a statement, as a bird from the hand of the fowler, you don't watch what you're doing, you're going to get snared. And sleep can snare you. It means that you put off doing the things that you're supposed to. It means you become lazy, lackadaisical, with an I don't care attitude. Just do what you tend to get by. And there's no drive, no momentum, no enthusiasm, no excitement in your life. So he says here in verse 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide overseer, or ruler. Provideth her meat in the summer and gathered her food in the harvest. In other words, learn to work while you're young. Establish good principles in your life. These little things can hinder your growth as a Christian. Because you don't have your priorities right. You don't think about the things that you should be thinking about. If you want to become a strong Christian, you've got to do what will make you a strong Christian. So you get into the Word and you practice what you hear, what you're taught. Learn how to speak what God wants you to. How to go to the places God wants you to. You weigh in everything. Learning discernment. It is so important. So he says here in verse 9, How long wilt thou sleep, O slugger? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep means more than what you need. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And guess what's coming your way? Poverty. Poverty is on its way. And it didn't have to be that way, but a lot of people don't have anything because they don't work hard and save right and spend right and do right. Decisions are important. The little decision, little things like that, that can make a difference. Now look in Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it's uh, an interesting uh, little uh, portion that he has here. And he makes a statement in Ecclesiastes in chapter 10. I remember when I was at Florida Bible College, this uh, student was there. He wrote a song. Remember what it, Bill Butterworth? Dead flies in the ointment. Who in the world could ever think of writing a song about dead flies in the ointment makes it really stink? But he did. He wrote the song. See there in verse 1? Your Christian life. Now, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about uh, having your garments that are without spot. It also talks about not being once named among the saints. In other words, keeping your life, keeping your testimony clean. Remember, I held up a piece of paper, and I had one little black spot on it. Say, what do you see up here? And everybody saw that black spot. But look how much white there was. Nobody says, I see white. No, they saw that black spot. And that's the way it is with your life. It won't matter how much good you do. you got something, a black spot in your life. you got a spot on your garment. There's something that's not clean. And it can ruin your whole testimony. One simple little bitty thing. So as a child of God, there's hindrances to growth Things that will keep you from growing strong as you ought to grow. So he says here in verse 1, Dead flies, Cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. In other words, if you're going to put some um, sweet-smelling stuff on you and you open it up and there's dead flies in there, would you just go ahead and take the dead flies and just smell them, rub them all over you? You know, sweet-smelling perfume. Would you want dead flies in the ointment? Makes it really stink. But now, here he makes a statement, so doth a little folly... Him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. In other words, you want the reputation that you're a wise person. You know, you can be just foolish and stupid in just a couple areas, and you'll get a reputation for being just a jokester, just a funny person, and people not take you seriously. How do you want people to see you or take you? What kind of image do you want to have? Sometimes I get ready to come to church, and Betty says, Yankee, you got to wear your tie. I don't want to wear a tie. Yankee, your image. I hate the image. And whenever I get to heaven, if that guy from Thailand is there, I'm going to choke him with one of his ties. You know, that's where they make ties over that country called Thailand. You didn't know that. You just stick around here. You learn all kinds of things. But now look in uh, number four there. A little leaven. A little leaven. And this is important. You've got to see this. Turn all the way over there to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. See, there were some people that the Apostle Paul had led to Christ. He had given to them the pure gospel that a man is saved by grace alone without works. Then some legalistic Judaizers who come down from Jerusalem came down to the church there in Antioch and split Paul's church, church splitters one of the ones that came down there and helped split his church was a guy by the name of Peter because he was um, been a hypocrite. And he was giving the credence to those illegalistic Judaizers that come down to spy out their liberty that they had in Christ. And next thing you know, they got people that are thinking you got to keep the law to be saved. You got to, you know, do good works. And God says, by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. No man can save himself. It's not of yourself. See, most people, even to this day, think that you have to be good to go to heaven. And if you're bad, you're going to hell. They don't get it. Everybody's bad, nobody's good but God. You might think you're better than somebody else, but compare yourself to God not how you're doing well, I'm not perfect. That's the problem. You have to be perfect to go to heaven and to go to a perfect place. And nobody's perfect. So God says you need a Savior to save you, to pay for your sins. So when you trust Him as Savior, God gives you eternal life. You get to go to heaven whenever you die. Best news in the world. So He makes a statement here in the book of Galatians. He said, who did hinder you? Who did hinder you? I remember uh, but now, in 2012, I was invited to speak at the uh, Florida Bible College reunion. The theme was finishing well. So I preached a sermon on finishing well. See, some people can't finish well because they haven't started yet. You've got to start, maintain, and finish well. Now, don't you want to finish your course with joy? Don't you want to finish Well, Well, there's little things, little things that can hinder you in running your race. So he says here in verse 7, ye did run well. You did, but you're not running well anymore. You did, but not now. Look what he says. Who did, and you ought to underline it, hinder you. Who hindered you? And sometimes you're running along and you're running your race. You're serving the Lord. You're giving it all you got. And then you just get tired and weary and well doing and I quit. Now, it doesn't affect your salvation. You're still going to heaven because you don't have to run the race to go to heaven. You're going to heaven because of what Christ did for you. But now as a Christian, God wants us to grow in the Lord, become strong and run the race. But he says, Somebody did something to you. Look what he says here. Who did hinder you that you should not, and here's the problem, obey the truth. Did you know that every child of God would serve the Lord if they would obey the truth? The only reason you don't serve the Lord with all your heart is because you're not obeying the truth. You're believing a lie. So he says, where did this persuasion come from? Who persuaded you? So wrong persuasion can hinder your walk with the Lord. Somebody persuading you, convincing you of something that's not true. And so that's why he says here in verse 8, This persuasion cometh not of him that called you. That didn't come from God. Because God is not going to do anything in your life to keep you from growing strong in the Lord walking with him, serving him, so anything that hinders your growth in the Lord didn't come from God. Wouldn't you agree with that? Why would God hinder you from growing? He ain't. And so he makes a statement here in verse 9, a little leaven, a little persuasion, a little sin, little things, leaveneth the whole lump. In other words, a little sin tolerated in your life, can ruin your whole life. Totally ruin it. And you can be a child of God. You're going to heaven when you die, but you're never going to grow and become spiritually strong. And that's why you have to be very, very careful. Now, I want you to see this. Look there in the book of um, 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. Chapter 5 talks about a, a person that was in the church that wasn't doing right. They were living in sin, committing adultery. It was wrong. And the people should have been shameful of it. It's like having the day, you know, everybody's supposed to accept the homosexual lifestyle. Because uh, that's not wrong anymore. And to say something about it means that you need to go to sensitivity training. means that you're the one with the problem. Because it's acceptable now. Well, it's not acceptable with God. It's still sin, and it's still wrong. You can't make it right. So he says here in uh, verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. That's the same thing we just read over there. It's going to hinder you. It'll hinder the church. It can hinder, ruin a lot. So he makes a statement here in verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. God sees you as a piece of unleavened bread. It means no yeast, no sin. You see, your new birth doesn't have any sin. So God wants you to keep the feast of unleavened bread. In other words, for the rest of your life, you're supposed to live as though it's a continual Passover. My life is got continual sacrifice unto the Lord. And there's no sin in my offering. My body belongs to the Lord. I need to keep it pure, keep it clean and dedicated to the Lord. And so he says there in verse 8. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. That's the very same thing you find over there in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 2 where it says cast out leaven, cast out the malice, and desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It means don't let that first birth, that old sinful nature control your life. Don't let a little leaven ruin the whole lump, ruin your whole life. Be careful. And so he says in the last part of verse 8, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, serve the Lord in sincerity. Serve the Lord in in truth. And you'll be surprised how much better your whole life is going to be. Now look there in your notes. In your notes there in Matthew under number five, a little faith. Now there's times when we often say it's not the size of your faith, it's the object of your faith. You see, you can put a lot of faith in that church pew to take you to heaven. Oh, I know I'm going to heaven because this church pew. I'm trusting this church pew to take me to heaven. Well, one, you're nuts. That church pew can't save itself. How's it going to save you? But if you put a little faith in the Lord, you can go to heaven. But great faith in the Lord can bring heaven to the soul. little faith takes the soul to heaven. Great faith can bring heaven to the soul. So the Bible talks about this. Little faith and great faith. One time he talked about this and centurion. He says, such great faith I have not found in Israel. Somebody who believed the Lord and his authority, you don't have to come under my roof. I'm a man under authority. I say to these servants, do this and they do it. He said, just speak the word. And he knew all that Jesus had to just speak the word and it'll be done. And Jesus marveled over his great faith. But then there was a time when one of his own apostles saw Jesus walking on the water. And he says, can I walk on the water? He wanted to get out of the boat and walk on the water. You ever want to do that? Do you know that I can literally walk on water? I told the people up there in Minnesota, I'll be back in the dead of wintertime and I'll walk on water. (laughs) Those lakes up there, they freeze solid and I'm gonna walk on the water because I didn't. Well, anyway, I wouldn't try that in the middle of the summertime. But I would love to be able to walk on water. But Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. And then he took his eyes off the Lord and he saw the waves and how boisterous they were and he got scared. And what happened when he took his eyes off the Lord? <whistles> Started sinking. Well, see, that's the way the Christian life is. God wants you to learn how to walk on the water. I was talking to the college kids in class this morning. How that when you walk on the water, it's trackless and it's traceless because you can't see somebody else's footprints. You've got to learn how to walk with the Lord on the sea and trust in the Lord to hold you up, living by faith. Your confidence is in the Lord. It's not upon your sight, upon what you see, but you got confidence in what God says, and you can trust Him. And He will come through. And it's great when you learn to live like that.